Hi there, it's Lucia, host of the Witch Money podcast here. Before we start today's episode, I just wanted to tell you about a really handy new tool from us here at Witch, and even better, it's free. It's called My Money Health Check. All you need to do is answer a few quick questions about your finances, and then we'll do the rest, pointing you towards our brilliant witch advice that we think you'll find really useful. Once again, that's My Money Health Checks. If you want help with cutting your bills or making your money go further, it's the place for you. Just head to witch.co.uk forward slash My Money Health Check. Welcome to the Witch Money Podcast, your weekly hit of money news and personal finance hacks to help make you better off. I'm your host, Lucia Ariano, and here's what's coming up this week. What often happens with a scam victim is they get stuck into a uh, cycle of victimisation. Once you've responded to one scam as well, your details also get trafficked to other criminals who then target you as well because they know that you're susceptible to it because previous scammers have been successful. We really see this in times of national crisis. We saw it during the pandemic. You'll see a flurry of official communication from you know government bodies or, or relevant organisations and then the scammers are hot on their tails with fake emails that look really you know quite similar to the real thing and it can be quite hard for people receiving the emails to tell the difference so if you think about this in a slightly different context what is it that a company like facebook might hold that may enable bt or enable a bank to best protect their customers after a week dominated by news of rising temperatures, the cost of living crisis temporarily disappeared from the headlines. The reality is, however, that the struggle continues for millions. And as we've so often discussed on the podcast, when times are tough, fraudsters will try and take advantage. This week on the podcast, we're taking a deep dive into the latest scams doing the rounds to help you and your loved ones stay one step ahead of the fraudsters. And to do this, we're joined by two of which's finest scam experts, Lauren Dietz, our Scams and Consumer Rights Editor, marking uh, your debut on the podcast, Lauren, thank you for joining us, uh, and Faye Lipsom, Senior Researcher and Writer specialising in fraud, scams and data privacy at which Thank you both so, so much for joining us today. Hello. Hi. Thank you. Can we start then with an overview of what's going on at the moment? Because the latest figures from Citizens Advice paint quite a stark picture. It says that over 40 million people have been targeted by scammers during the cost of living crisis. And more than three quarters of UK adults say they've been targeted by a scam this year, which is a 14% increase compared to 2021. Lauren, does this match what we've been seeing at which as well? Yeah, absolutely. There's been no sign of scammers slowing down this year. Mm. Um, The art of the scammer really is to find new and nefarious ways to defraud. And sadly, the COVID-19 pandemic coupled with the cost of living crisis has really given plenty of opportunity to fraudsters to manipulate the way that we live our lives and our general consumer behaviour. So 2022 has definitely been a busy year for scammers. Mm. And we started the the year actually with a particularly callous scam, which was quickly coined the uh, WhatsApp help a friend scam. And Mm. this one saw scammers impersonating loved ones um, and targeting parents in particular, uh, appealing to them for financial help. 
a scam plays out over a series of text messages and uh, and often results then in a payment being made by the target to the scammer under the ruse of a of a bill being paid. And it really set the tone for how scammers would capitalise on the cost of living crisis this year. Thanks, Sarah. And a really good one for everybody to be aware of. Um, can we start then looking at some more of the most common scams out there at the moment? Faye, you've just written a piece for The Witch Money magazine on the extensive kinds of energy-related fraud doing the rounds. And it, it's really, sadly, no surprise sc- scams have jumped on this with energy bills through the roof this year. So, so what are some of the scams we should be looking out for in this space? Yes, so um, you're right, Lucia. And unfortunately, some of the uh, scams that we're seeing are impersonating energy companies and Mm. official bodies such as the energy regulator Ofgem. And we really see this in times of national crisis. We saw it during the pandemic. Um, You'll see a flurry of official communication, um, genuine communication from, you know, government bodies or or, um, relevant organisations. And then the scammers are hot on their tails with fake emails. It is largely emails in this case Mm. um, that look really, you know, quite similar to the real thing. And it can be quite hard for people receiving the emails to tell the difference. So one of the things that we've seen is a um, a council tax rebate scam. So this was a real scheme, is a real scheme set up by the government um, to ensure that um, people in most of the houses um, in England um, are able to receive a council tax rebate, which will help them towards their um, energy bills this year. It's about £150, I believe. Um, Now, uh, fraudsters are contacting people, uh, households, claiming to be uh, from the local council and saying that they need the bank details of that household in order to pay that rebate. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, that's just not true because in most cases, people pay by direct debit. So um, the bank, the council will already have your bank details. Um, if If you do pay by bank transfer, the council will contact you. Um, but it shouldn't be, you know, out of the blue. It should be something that's got um, official details on it, like uh, your account number with the council. So um, you really need to be quite careful. And we've got mm-hmm. an article about that online, about, about the scam and how to spot the real from the fake. A couple of other emails that we've seen are uh, an off-gem scam in which uh, scammers, are, scammers are emailing people claiming to be from off-gem using off-gem's logo and um, offering people fake energy refunds. Now, again, this is mm. kind of um, riffing off a real scheme in which the government is adding about £400, I believe, uh, of credit to the bill of each household, energy bill of each household to help with the energy crisis. So again, this is something that um, perhaps might ring a bell with people, look a bit plausible um, and chime with what they've seen in the news. But sadly, it is a fake email and it leads to a fake website that was registered just a few weeks ago, um, which again tries to obtain your bank details. Um, And uh, it's, you know, really quite convincing and very sad because the people Mm. who fall for it uh, are probably the people who are most desperate to get that government help. On a similar vein, we've seen quite a lot of emails in the first half of the year that are um, uh, attempting to impersonate E.ON, one of the major energy providers, and claiming that uh, the recipient has got a credit balance. Essentially, they've overpaid their bill and they need to click through on a link to provide bank details to get uh, a refund. Now, most of the people that um, receive this email are not with E.ON. It's just sent out en masse thousands Mm. at a time. But 
there may well be people, there are people, in fact, who happen to be with Eon who receive the email. And in those cases, the scammers have struck lucky because it looks more convincing. So, you know, it's really quite difficult for people to tell the real from the fake at the moment with so many, you know, communications going around that are genuine. Um, it, it's quite tricky for people to tell. Well, later on, we'll hear some advice uh, on how you can tell the difference between these very similar looking uh, dodgy emails. But first, um, there's been another very topical scam around, and that's on fuel prices. And, and interestingly, this was spotted on a Facebook ad. Now, dodgy ads being promoted on the big giants like Facebook and Google is something listeners will remember us talking about before. And again, now it's very clear that more needs to be done. Faye, how did this fuel scam work? And how did it slip through the net to become a Facebook sponsored post in the first place? Yes, this was an advert that was essentially doing the rounds some weeks ago. Uh, And it was offering people the opportunity to buy um, a large amount of fuel for, I think, less than £2. Um, It was sort of posing itself as a contest uh, by BP. This advert you clicked through and it took you to a website where you could, you know, enter a contest to be one of the lucky people to get this large amount of fuel for less than £2. And um, you were prompted to enter in, you know, banking details, which you you know, it it could be quite tempting to do, thinking that you're only paying, I think, £1.80. And uh, unfortunately, um, that's not the case at all. The fraudsters then got all your banking details and can take larger sums from you and possibly commit identity theft with your name um, and identity as well. So, I mean, that this is a scam which uh, perhaps has lent a bit of uh, credibility by being on Facebook. I think people perhaps assume that Facebook vets adverts more thoroughly than it does. Mm. And it also speaks to people's concerns about rising energy prices, which, of course, affects people driving cars and not just um, energy prices domestically in the house. And so it could have proved quite a tempting combination for people. And unfortunately, many things like this do get through because they don't send most of these adverts to a human because it's very expensive. They mostly send most of them through this algorithm. And that's why a lot of them get through. I've got another example of a scam here, which is not uh, in the form of ads, but but seemingly in many other forms, texts, possibly emails, phone calls. Uh, and this is about the, the scheme uh, that's to help people cope with rising costs. You might have seen recent headlines about the cost of living payment. It's a government scheme that one in four lower income families are set to benefit from. In fact, many will have already had their first instalment uh, as anyone who's eligible for it will receive the first of two payments automatically in July. But despite the government's efforts to minimise fraud here by making the two lump sums, I quote, deliberately slightly unequal, scammers are still trying to target the most vulnerable here. Lauren, can you talk us through this one? So um, as you mentioned, Lucia, this scam comes in the form of a text message or a cold, cold call, but emails making similar claims are possible too, although we haven't seen any examples of this yet. The scammer mostly claims that they're processing the cost of living payment or that the recipient is somehow eligible for it. And these are phishing scams. So the aim of the scammer really here is to steal personal and financial information that they can then use to commit further damage. The best advice here is it's vitally important that you don't click on links in these text messages 
or um, follow any advice on a cold call talking about the cost of living payment. As you mentioned, Lucia, these are automatic payments. So if you're eligible for them, you automatically receive these two payments, the first instalment having gone out on the 14th of July and the second instalment coming in the autumn. Um, if you believe you are eligible and you'd like to check your eligibility, you can do this on the official gov.uk website, or we do have a guide on this on the WITCH website too. And now another scam that, that's made the headlines this week. That There was a story about a man who had just declared himself bankrupt. So with a bad credit rating, he was having trouble taking out a loan until a company came out of the blue with an offer too good to be true. Faye, what's this all about? Yes, this is a type of scam known as advanced fee fraud, where uh, somebody offers to arrange a loan for you in exchange, typically for a small upfront fee of, you know, 50 to 100 pounds or so. And that's what happened to this gentleman. Unfortunately, he received an email, um, which was a scam email, but looked very genuine. And it appeared to be from a genuine loan provider. um, But that loan provider had actually been spoofed, you know, um, copied um, impersonated by fraudsters um, and when he um, responded to that email he was asked to um, make a payment which he did and it was only when a further payment of £100 was requested that he began to be suspicious that it was a scam and I think this just shows that uh, again that scam emails can be really convincing they can clone a genuine loan firm um, steal its logo steal its authorization number from the FCA website so that if you go and look it up there, um, you think you're dealing with a real firm. And, and Faye, along similar lines, this is reminding me a bit of your investigation we were discussing on the podcast a couple of months ago, where scammers were pretending to be legitimate debt charities uh, offering dodgy debt advice. Um, what's the latest on this? I'd really, really love to hear you say it's been clamped down on. I'd love to say that that's true. (laughs) I've Googled Step Change, which is a genuine debt charity. And right at the top, above the real charity's website, is an advert for something calling Mm -hmm. itself Step Debt Change, which is clearly mimicking Step Change. And it's not Step Change. It's a a third-party company. And you're very unlikely Mm -hmm. to get, you know, the the broad, extensive, uh, holistic advice that you're going to get from Step Change. This is causing concern at the Advertising Standards Authority because less than a month ago, they published a very detailed enforcement notice. They were saying they were worried by these sorts of adverts um, by insolvency practitioners and people generating leads for them. Um, And they've published really extensive advice on exactly what kind of wording is and isn't suitable in these adverts. For example, they've said that it's not okay, as we often see in these adverts, to claim that your solution, your debt solution is government backed or government approved, because that, that just implies an approval that just really isn't there. Well, it's clear that more needs to be done in this space by the tech giants and other companies to to protect consumers. But we have been speaking uh, to an organisation doing a huge amount to help victims and stamp out scams. Here's Louise Baxter, head of the scam team at Trading Standards, on how they try and prevent victims getting repeatedly scammed and how their work feeds into large-scale international cases to protect consumers. Right, so within the, the 
National Trading Centre Scams team, our main focus is around trying to identify the victims proactively so that we can go out and support those victims to stop them becoming repeat victims. Because um, what often happens with a scam victim is they get stuck into a uh, cycle of victimisation. Um, once you've responded to one scam as well, your details also get trafficked to other criminals who then target you as well, because they know that you're susceptible to it because previous scammers have been successful. So we try and do effective victim interventions through the local trading standards networks. We also then look at the international investigations. So I'll give you an example of one that actually landed with the press yesterday. We worked with the Federal Trade Commission in America, where um, a company was sending um, prize draw letters to consumers within the UK telling them they'd won a prize that didn't exist. So we were able to provide information and intelligence to, to help the American F Federal Trade Commission case. Um, and we just, as part of that case, they did a proceeds of crime settlement um, and we've been able to return 500, well, we will within the next few weeks, return £530,000 to victims. It's brilliant to hear action is being taken, but there is still a long way to go, as we'll hear later on in the show. Hello, Grace here, the host of Witch Investigates. After two successful series last year, the chart-topping podcast is back, investigating the issues impacting your everyday life. We'll have new episodes every fortnight, starting on Monday the 18th of July, as we uncover the truth behind the claims you see in the media all being shared on social, whether that be about the products you use or some of the stories hitting the headlines. Here's an idea of what's on the way very soon. We really want consumers to be able to trust the SPF they see on the side of the bottle. The Energy Savings Trust found that if you turn your thermostat down by one degree, you can save about 10% on your annual energy bills. There are hundreds of thousands of people's flights who have been cancelled. At Manchester Airport, the police had to turn up to tell some people their holidays had been cancelled. Episodes are out on Mondays and available wherever you get your podcasts. Now, so far in today's episode, we've focused on fraud that's trying to capitalise on the cost of living crisis. But this is, of course, just the tip of the iceberg. Lauren, can you talk to us about some of the other scams we've been hearing about here at Witch? Of course. So COVID is still very much part of our everyday lives. And we've seen scammers continue to impersonate the NHS. This seems to be a scam that just constantly evolves constantly crops up again mm. so these are mostly text messages that claim you need to order a covid test and then you're directed to a fake nhs website to pay a fee for that test in a similar vein we've seen lots and lots of fake delivery fee text messages are, are still in circulation so this year we've seen scammers impersonating every which is the new hermes mm. royal mail and dpd in particular Again, much like the, the NHS scam, this one directs you to a copycat website and asks you to pay a completely fake charge, um, handing over bank details to scammers. Now, other scams that we've seen this year that really kind of capitalise on our financial habits are a big spike in people being targeted with fake texts from Apple Pay, mm -hmm. claiming that the service has been suspended on your device and you need to follow a really dodgy link to uh, set the set the um, service back up on your on your phone and then much like we have been seeing for the past few years bank impersonation scams 
continue to to target many people in the UK. This scam often comes in the form of a text message or a phone call claiming to be from your bank. And then they direct you to um, to somehow make a payment to protect your money, often claiming that you need to move your money into a safe account. Mm. I know that Santander recently put in, put out some warnings about several uh, websites that were uh, impersonating its brand following that same tactic of sending text messages claiming to be from your bank. It's really not what you want to be hearing, is it? But it is very, very useful to just know that they're circulating at the moment. And Faye, I know you're currently working on something, um, a big piece of work looking into one of our favourite topics here on the podcast, cryptocurrency. Tell us more. That's right. Yes, we've got a feature coming out next month, um, which hopefully people will enjoy. Essentially, it's a bit of a guide for the confused. Um, I know I'm often confused. Um as even as a financial journalist by some of the things I read about cryptocurrency mm, um, blockchain. Um, this article is aiming to explain to people really how something that started um, as, as quite a niche thing, perhaps uh, supported by uh, kind of political idealists, um, has become something very normalised mainstream where we see uh, adverts on the tube, we see uh, adverts on the, uh, we hear adverts on the radio, uh, they're on uh, football kits um, and um, teams are sponsored by cryptocurrency companies. I've really been looking at how this happened, how this came into the mainstream and actually just how difficult it is to tell the difference between um, something which is uh, albeit a very risky but legitimate cryptocurrency and something which was essentially set up maliciously as a scam in the first place it's really very tricky Um, and even people that have been doing this for a long time you know um, purchasing cryptocurrencies and involved in the community around it are you know sometimes falling victim to to scams so it's really very difficult and hopefully this will be an interesting piece even for people that that um, just need a kind of intro to the entire thing A hundred percent. I can't wait to read it. Well, to finish then today, we've heard about so many scams, uh, emails, texts, phone calls, impersonating companies we trust. And and I really want to hear your advice for people to make sure uh, you don't fall victim. But first, let's just touch once again on what more the industry can do. As we've discussed today, there is a a lot more that, that still needs to be done. Here's Simon Miller, Director of Policy at Stop Scams UK. So our view is that collaboration is going to be critical, not just because the data that one company holds will be absolutely crucial to enabling that other company to get a more total view of the system and of the problem. It's a key means of enabling companies to enhance the existing tools and capabilities that they have that help keep people safe. So if you think about this in a slightly different context, what is it that a company like Facebook might hold that may enable BT or enable a bank to better protect their customers? And what we seek to do is to enable those companies to talk together to work out what it is that each other might do that can enable them to more effectively defend their customers from the threat that is posed by scams. It's really interesting to hear Simon talk about how companies could club together in their efforts against scams. And Faye, there are some changes companies can make themselves to the way they correspond with customers. And these could make a huge difference. Can you talk us through the change that Witch is calling for here? Yes. So Witch is looking for changes to be made in how 
um, emails are communicated to customers. So we think that genuine emails should come from uh, a verifiable email address or domain. So if you receive an email from, for example, customer at eon.com, you should be able to go to the genuine um, Eon website and see whether that's an email address that they actually use or not. Um, And we also want companies to stop sending links to uh, login pages and payment pages because that really emulates the kind of behaviour that scammers do. And so when when a legitimate company does it, it, it... really muddies the waters for the recipient um, and it can make it even more difficult to tell whether something's genuine or not. And while companies are catching up, what can we do to protect ourselves? Can we finish today with some of your top advice uh, for people to avoid scams and also on how to report anything that looks suspicious? Yes, the absolute top advice is if you've received a request for your personal information and or payment details no matter where it comes from no matter how official it looks um, you must verify that it's from the real deal so what this looks like will really depend on what you've received if you've received something claiming to come from the government then you need to go onto the gov.uk website and that's the official government website and find a phone number to contact to verify um, what you've been told if it's claiming to come from your energy company um, then you need to, you know, perhaps look at an, an old bill, printed bill that you've got or um, navigate separately to your energy company's website and look up their contact details. If, if it's somebody claiming to be from your bank, that's an easy one because your phone numbers the, for the bank is normally on the on the back of the card. So really, it's this verification step that you must take uh, whenever somebody is asking you for your personal or banking details. Um, and that is what will keep you safe from fraud. Many times, um, contact may actually be genuine, um, because as we've just discussed, um, sometimes genuine companies do things that look a bit similar to the scammers. Um, and we're working on that. But you'll be glad of taking this step for the, you know, the one in 10 chance that something might actually be a scam and that could save you a lot of money and heartache in, you know, the long term. It's worth doing. And Lauren, what are your kind of golden nuggets of advice here? And also, how can people report scams? I would definitely just echo what um, Faye's Faye's told us here about um, checking the authenticity of, of whatever Uh, communication you've received from this company and remember that scammers use every tactic available to them to get you to act first and think later so just bear that one in mind and be on your guard against unexpected calls text messages or emails in terms of reporting scams scams still remain really underreported in the in the UK and really there are best chance of stopping scammers in their tracks so if it's, a, if it's a dodgy website you've come across, then we recommend reporting this to the National Cyber Security Centre. Um, they have an online tool where you can report it to. If it's a, an email, you can forward that to report at phishing.gov.uk. And if it's, a, uh, if it's a potential scam text message or a, a call to your mobile phone, you can forward it to 7726, which is a free reporting service provided by telecoms companies. Of course, uh, one way to help you avoid the latest scams is to sign up for our free Witch Scam Alert newsletters. 
So we use our insights and share with you the latest scams in circulation and provide uh, tangible advice on how to spot, avoid and then report these scams. Thank you so much to Lauren and Faye for coming on the show today and to you for listening to this week's episode of the Witch Money Podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer in the show or even dedicate an episode to, please do let us know in the comments wherever you're listening to the podcast or drop us an email at podcast at witch.co.uk. We've got plenty coming in, so stay tuned for future episodes to see if we can answer some of your burning questions. And please do also subscribe to the show to make sure you catch us again next week. And for more money news and advice, find us on social media at Witch money and online at witch.co.uk forward slash money this episode of the witch money podcast was produced by rob lilly with additional support from ian aikman and grace witherden